I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit, aren't you? And for the way that he works and the way that he speaks to us and for obedience in those moments to, uh, to uh, obey the voice of his spirit. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, turn with me to Ephesians. We're going to be looking at a couple of verses there. Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Uh, last week we uh, began a sermon series called Mission Possible. And we're going to continue over the next few weeks looking at some of the parts of our Christian walk that God calls us to that often we look at and say, there is just no way that I can do what God is asking me to do. There's just no way. It's impossible, often is what we say. And yet we know the truth, and that is, with God's help, there's nothing too hard for him. If you're thankful again today that there is nothing too hard for the God that you serve, say amen. Nothing too hard for him. So let's continue today. His mission, if you choose to accept it today, is to live obediently. Live obediently. Ephesians chapter 4, as we, as we look there together, in the beginning of chapter 4, we see Paul is writing this letter to the followers of Jesus there in Ephesus, that in chapter 4 he begins to remind them of what they need to do to live this life worthy of the calling that Christ has called them to, that they need to mature and to grow in their faith day by day by day, grow and mature in him, and, and become like the one that they are following. You know, that should be our goal and desire every one of us is every day to become more and more and more like the one that we are following. If that's your desire today, say amen. Should be our desire to become more like Jesus. And Paul is encouraging them in that way. He, 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 and he gives them a few things to remind them of the way that they're supposed to live different than the world around them. He says there in early in chapter 4 to put off the old way of doing things and, and, and truly reflect Christ. He tells them to stop lying and to speak the truth. To no longer let anger with others uh, turn to sin. And to stop letting the enemy get a foothold in their life. All really good things that we need to be putting into practice right every single day he goes, goes on to tell him to stop stealing but instead to to really give generously to those who are in need as as the need presents itself and so he's painting this picture of what our Christian life should look like and then as you look down through the chapter we get down to verse 20 29 and Paul shares these words Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 do not let anything unwholesome do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for, the build, for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Paul outlines for his followers, for Christ's followers, some things that are vital for them to obey. And I remind you this morning that these things are not just mere suggestions, but, but really if we, will, if we will obey them, if we will do them, they're evidence of what a Christian life really looks like. I have to remind you today that living out what it means to be a Christ follower, living out the life that Jesus calls us to live, really should be an upside down kind of living. It should still Stand in contrast to the world around us so that people see something different in us and desire to live that way. If you believe that, say amen. And just in these few verses, we can see the things that Paul is encouraging and, and really commanding to be done are things that are just the opposite. And I want you to know as well today as we read through these verses that they're not impossible to obey. But with God's help, we can live this way. So I want you to see this morning that with God's help to live obediently, we should, first of all, talk carefully. 
talk carefully. Verse 29 again, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out. Is that really possible? You know, we're talking about what's impossible with man is what? Possible with God. I want to encourage you this morning that it is possible. This idea of unwholesome, it means this. It means corrupt or worthless. It means things such as gossip or slander, but it also includes things like coarse language. Do not let anything unwholesome come out of your mouths. The story is told of a prosecuting attorney who was in a small town, and he was in a small town courthouse on this particular day, and he called his first witness, who was, a, who was an older woman, to the stand, and he, he approached her, and he said this. He said, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? And she responded, why, yes, I do know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a young boy, and quite frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat, you manipulate people, you talk about them behind their backs, you're a, you're a, you think you're a rising big shot, but, but you haven't the brains to realize that you'll never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. The lawyer was stunned. Not knowing what else to do, he pointed across the room and he asked, Mr. Jones, do you know the defense attorney? She replied, why, why, of course I do. I've known Mr. Bradley since he was younger, too. I used to babysit him, and he's been a real disappointment to me, too. He's lazy, has a drinking problem, can't build a normal relationship with anyone, and his law practice is one of the shoddiest in the entire state. Yes, I know him. Well, the crowd, as you could imagine, that was gathered in that room began to buzz, and so at this point, the judge, he pounded his gavel on the, on the bench and demanded that the, the lawyers both come to the front of the courtroom. And as they gathered up real clo closely in a very quiet voice, he threatened them. He said, if either of you ask her if she knows me, I'll hold you both in contempt. <laughs> I'm not sure this woman grasped what Paul is outlining here, right? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. It's the idea that when anything comes, think about this, the idea that when anything comes out of my mouth about another person, and when I get done talking, you think less of him instead of more of him. When I get done talking, that you would think less of someone else instead of more of them. That's what's being prohibited here. When anything comes out of our mouth and we're talking about our boss or our neighbor or a person that you attend church with or a friend or even an enemy, and when you're done speaking, the person hearing has a lower or more negative view of that person, Paul is saying, don't let that kind of talk come out of your mouth. This also extends to not just what we say verbally with our mouth, but things that we may say in a text or in a post, or a passing comment on Facebook or Twitter. How you doing this morning? Still with me? The question is this, are we thinking about what we're talking about? Are we thinking about what we're talking about? Because what can happen so easily is it's the slippery slope that before we even realize that things come out of our mouth and they've never passed through our mind. We need to think about what we're talking about. Do you ever find yourself saying, you know, I know I shouldn't say this, but and normally followed by words that tear down or hurt or would wound 
Words that magnify the negative. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Will Bowen, a pastor and author, he said this, complaining is like bad breath. You notice it when it comes out of somebody else's mouth, but not your own. And can I say the same is true for things like gossip and slander, and often things just fly out. And we may notice it when somebody else says it, but if it comes out of our own mouth, often we've justified it. Not only what we say to others when we start a conversation, but what we say in the midst of a conversation that maybe somebody else has started. Are you following me? We can be pulled into conversations that are started down a path, and we have a choice in how we speak into that. I tell my staff and my family, my kids know this, I've taught them this, I say it off and on a lot. But when others, when we find ourselves in conversations where others are working hard to build a fire, to burn someone else down with their words, what we carry to that conversation is up to us. We can carry a bucket of gasoline, or we can carry a bucket of water. We can throw gas on the fire, or we can put the fire out. You see, we have a choice in what we speak into conversations. Proverbs 25, 18 says, telling lies about others is as harmful as, catch this, is as harmful as hitting them with an ax, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. You know, the majority of us here today maybe would never, ever think about even ever hitting somebody else physically. But what about our words? We underestimate the power of the words that we use. They can be even more harmful. If you don't believe me, I have a question for you this morning. How many of you have ever had somebody speak bad of you or tell a lie about you? Of course, you became aware of that. How many of you have had that happen and can remember that it happened over a year ago? Just, I want you to raise your hand. You can remember over a year ago that that happened. Be honest this morning. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I just want to prove a point. Hold your hand up. Don't put it down. Right? Over a year ago. Over 10 years ago, you can still remember what was said and what happened. Over 20 years ago. Over 30 years ago. See where I'm going? Now, we may have forgiven them, Right? We, the, the Lord may give us peace about that. We may be over it. But those words that were spoken wounded us so deeply that etched in our mind is the memory of what happened. Even if it's under the blood, the memory is, that's how powerful your words are. If you're like me, you probably have a scar on you somewhere and you can't even remember how that got there when you were a kid or whatever, right? Physically. But words can wound don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Well, what if I've been hurt, Pastor? I mean, what if I've been wounded? What if I need to talk to someone? And what if I need to tell someone? What then? What do I do? Well, let me just give you just a, a little bit of advice this morning. In fact, it's really more than that. It's instruction, I feel like, from Scripture. The first thing we need to do is tell God. Before we talk about it with anybody else, we need to go before our God who already knows and already cares. David, who experienced this kind of thing, he, he expresses himself so wonderfully in Psalm 43. I, I, almost, I almost was tempted just to chop this part out because we're running, I'm running short on time this morning. But I believe that we need to hear this today. Because we struggle at times with what to do when we've been wounded and hurt. Here it is. David tells us, 
Psalm 43, New Living Translation. Declare me innocent, O God. He goes to God. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. For you, God, are my only safe haven. Did you catch that? David recognizes I can run around and I can say whatever else I want to say, but you're my only place of safety. Why have you tossed me aside? This is how he feels. Why must I wander around in grief oppressed by my enemies? And then he prays this. Send out your light and your what? Your truth. Send out your light and your truth. You shine truth into this situation, God. Let them guide me. Let them guide me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of what? All my joy. You see, David knew that in the midst of this difficult time where things had been said about him, that his joy came from one place. And it didn't matter what was going on around him or what was being done to him. His joy was in the presence of his God who desired to speak light and truth into his life. And see, we miss this because so often, instead of going to God and opening our heart to him and saying, God, you know what's happened and you know what's going on and I need your help, we're so busy sharing about what happened and how we've been injured and wounded to everybody else that we never take time to go to God and say, God, you are the one that can still bring me joy. And notice the first part, declare me innocent. In other words, you defend me. The NIV says, vindicate me, O God. In other words, I'm not going to go out and around and try to defend myself and and, and fix this all back. Lord, you know what's happened, and I'm going to trust you to vindicate me, to declare me innocent to those that think other things have happened, things have been done wrong. And then he says this. He'll go to the altar, the source of his joy, praise him. With, he's going to begin to praise God, right? And then he says, verse 5, Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. By this last verse, he's rejoicing in the presence of God. And I have to remind you, the circumstance hadn't changed. But because he got into the presence of God first, guess what? His heart was different. His life was different. God began to put peace into him in such a way that he could live joyfully knowing that God was going to walk him through. If you're glad today that God loves you so much that even in the most difficult times of your life, when maybe things have been said or done to you and you've been wounded, that if you go to his presence, that he's there to pour into your life all you need, say amen. I'm glad for that today. And I have to share that. When when that's happened to us, we should run to verses of Scripture like this and say, God, this is your promise. Help me as I stand on it to trust you. So we need to run to God when we've been wounded. Second is to confide in somebody who is spiritual, who can keep, confide in somebody who is spiritual. Confide in somebody who is what? Spiritual. Who can keep a confidence and who will listen. If you don't have somebody in your life, you need to find somebody who can help you, who will pray with you, who will encourage you, and who will keep a confidence so that you know that you've got somebody that's praying with you and for you and can encourage you God's way. Not tell 50 or 100 people. Not post it across the internet for the whole world to see. But give God a chance to work. We can't get ahead of God. 
I just wonder sometimes if, if by the time we get to God, after we've been hurt or wounded or injured and we've shared the whole thing with everybody else that we know and we finally are still finding ourselves what? We're still, still finding ourselves wounded and hurt and in need of help. You mean it didn't help to tell? Does it? When we finally get to God, don't you think he has to sometimes just shake his head and say, well now what in the world am I supposed to do? Now granted, he can help us and he can be there, but we make such a mess of it before we go. Just go to God and find somebody that can support you in prayer, and then this, watch God work. Can I just tell you today that it took me a while to learn this lesson, but once I figured it out, once I learned how to not tell everybody else, but just to tell my God and trust him to work, can I just tell you, God does amazing things. I mean, David knew it too, right? Notice what he says again. Why is my heart so sad? I will put my heart in God. I will praise him again. Why? Because God had been faithful time and time and time again, and this new series of circumstances was no different. He just went to God. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Not any? Not any. Paul says no unwholesome talk, but... Notice, rather, here's what should come out of our mouth, right? Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do you see the contrast? I mean, this word but, I mean, it sets, it sets the two opposing sides, right? Unwholesome talk versus the things that can build up and edify and encourage others around us. He said, not that, this, this is what will help. This is what will encourage what if we would choose to find ways to build each other up? Don't you love being around people that are encouraging? Don't you love being around people who build you up and, and, and who make you, who just, who just by their presence just encourage your socks off? Don't you love it? Words can be wholesome. Words can teach, words can correct, yes, and those are good words, but words can bring healing and give guidance and help and bring life. I wonder what the difference if we really lived it out. You know, I was thinking this week, if when you walked in this morning, I pulled you aside, and I said, hey, I've got something that I want you to do. <clears throat> I've got $10,000 that I want to give you. Would that get your attention? But here's the catch. I've got $10,000 that I want to give you, but you can't keep any of it for yourself. And so by the end of the morning, I want you to find people in, within our congregation. I want you to find ways to, to just help people. And I want you to go around and, and, and listen in conversations and know who has a need. And I want you just to, just to start handing that out. And by the end of the day, I don't want you to have any of it left. Think about that. Now, after you got over the fact that I said you couldn't keep it, right, let me just tell you what would happen. You would be on a mission you'd be on a mission to begin to find the right places to make sure this money got in the right hands. And can I tell you this? By the end of the day, you know who would be more blessed? I mean, the people receiving would be blessed, right? But I guarantee you one thing, that's one day that you'd never forget the rest of your life. As you watched people's reactions and as you began to praise God together and as they said things like, you had no idea how much I needed. I mean, this is, gonna, this is an answer to prayer. That's how people would respond, right? 
Can I just tell you this morning that you have in your possession today a whole lot more than $10,000 in value. Within every single one of us is the ability to speak words of life into people all around us. Words of encouragement, words of hope, words of help, words of healing, words of wisdom, and on and on and on. And you have an unlimited supply of this. There is no limit to what you can give out. What a difference it would make in our lives if we began to talk this way. One amen. I must not be, I must not be convincing you today. It would make a difference, Amen. And we all are able. What's stopping us? We have the words. We have the spirit. We can choose to speak words of life. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Proverbs 18, 4, a person's word can, bring, can be, be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom as refreshing as a bubbling brook. Won't go into all of it this morning, but here's what I want you to catch. Beautiful group of parents this morning, amen? What an opportunity, parents, you have to speak words of life into your children, to be encouraging, to be uplifting. Can I just get you to add a phrase to your vocabulary? If it's not already there, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Nathan could testify too. But if we've heard one phrase in our life from our mom, right? I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And it was long back in the day when I'm going, I don't know why. I'm proud of you. Encouragement. Help. What a difference it can make. Parents of adult children, when was the last time you spoke those kinds of words into your adult children's life? Hey, I'm proud of you. I love you. Hey, I just want you to know today I'm praying for you. God's going to bless you. He's going to help you. He's going to provide for you. Words that give life, words of healing, words of help. Adult children, when was the last time you spoke those kinds of words into the life of your adult parents? Children really across the congregation, when was the last time you told your parents how grateful you are for them and how much you love them and how much you've appreciated all they've done through the years? I'm not talking about building them up. I'm talking about somehow reaching in your soul and bringing out the words that you mean and that you think about all the time, but we just don't speak. See, I was convicted this week because I've, I've, shared, I've shared with Michelle some things about some of you that have been very positive. I've told my wife, but I haven't told you. So get ready. You know what I'm saying? Speaking words of life that can help and that can heal. And not just in our families. I've got to move on. But what about at work? Some of you are a manager in supervisor roles and you have a lot of responsibilities and a lot of stress and pressure and you share this way. Are you speaking words of life? Are you finding windows of opportunity to speak hope and encouragement into those relationships? And I'll turn it around. You may not be in a supervisory role. When was the last time that you thanked the person that is your supervisor or spoke words of encouragement to them? You say, Pastor, you have no idea who I work for. <laughs> and you're right. But here's what I know. Man. What I know is this, that you don't know what they're going through either. And I don't know what they're going through. 
had a lady I was with yesterday in, in some training that we were doing, and she was sharing this, had no idea what I was talking about today. She didn't. And she was sharing this story. She said that I was in a store the other day, and my child, he has an adverse reaction. He, he's allergic to bee stings, and he had been stung by a bee, and they put him on some medication that he, have, that he was having a reaction to, and it was coming out through his behavior. So he was in the store with his mom, and his behavior just was rough. And she, she was telling us this story about how hard it was to get what she needed in the cart and get out to the vehicle and all of the things that had gone on and the kid holding on to the door of the store. I mean, it was just quite the, quite the thing, right? And they get out to the car, and a, a person, an employee from the store, had to literally help her out with her cart and help her load her stuff. And, and, you know, she said, my kid doesn't normally act like that, but on this day it was terrible. And the guy, when he got done, he finished her helping her unload, got done, shut the door to the car, and he said, well, lady, if you've convinced me of one thing, it's to never have children. <laughs> we don't know what's going on in the life of the other person, folks. We don't know. We think we know. We pass judgment really quick. The waitress is in the restaurant, and the person at the drive through window, right, who is rarely nice to us, I wonder why. How many people ever speak words of life into them? And the list goes on and on. What would happen if we said things like, you know what, I don't say it often enough, but mom, I love you. Dad, I love you. You know, I don't say it often enough, but I come through this drive-through twice a week, and I just want you to know you guys do a bang-up job. It makes a difference. It not only makes a difference to the person, but notice what Paul says. It makes a difference to all who hear it. So not only are you making a difference in the life of that person, but you're making a, you know what, that, that, that window is going to close and she's going to go, you know what somebody just said to me? They told me that I'm doing a good job. Can you believe that? And they're all going to be looking out the window trying to figure out who you are. Why? Because you're living counter-culturally. Kingdom culture living. That's what it looks like. People are amazed by it. Why? Jesus Christ rules and reigns. Talk carefully. And then last, listen closely. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. To grieve means to cause pain or grief or distress. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, here it is. So I've read this verse. You've heard this verse. You've quoted this verse likely. Don't grieve the Holy. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Think about it in the context of this verse before it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the things that come out of our mouth. You realize unwholesome talk that comes out of our mouth and puts others down grieves the Holy Spirit? You realize that? That kind of talking grieves the Holy Spirit. It causes him pain. As believers, we have the Spirit, think about this, we have the Spirit to guide us and direct us and to show us and to enable us and to give us wisdom, right? We have the Spirit to, to lead us in all things, even in what we say. So the last thing, what we have to realize is the Spirit wants to help us to say the right things. This mission on our own to speak the right way, it's impossible. But not with God's help. Through the power of Holy, His Holy Spirit, it is possible to say the right things and to live the right way. James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And the first place we should be listening the first place that we should be listening is not around us, 
But the first place we should be listening is to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Be quick to listen. Be sensitive to what the Spirit is speaking into your life. We don't want to react and speak harshly or with words of judgment and condemnation that can tear down. We want to respond rightly by listening closely to the Holy Spirit. And the reality is we can grieve the Holy Spirit, if if that's true, that we can grieve him by the way that we use our words. The reality is this, that we can also grieve him by the way we don't use our words. In other words, if we're not speaking words of life and, we're, and the Spirit is speaking to us and says, hey, you need to reach out this week and you need to share and there's a person over there that needs some encouragement and when we back away from that, guess what? We can grieve the Holy Spirit just the same way. Not only do we have to speak the right things, but we have to be re- willing to speak when God says to speak. James 4, 17. If anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. We need to be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit And walk in obedience with him to do what he asks us to do. If people around us in this world today have ever needed words of life and hope, it's today. And everyone said, all around us. The person that hands you coffee this morning, that teaches your class, that teaches your kid, that cleans the bathroom, your spouse, your in-laws, you have the opportunity, and the list goes on and on every day, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and make a difference in those around you. Through the things that we say, through the things that we text, through the things that we post, on and on and on. Words of life, folks. And here's a neat thought. That if the Holy Spirit, if I can grieve the Holy Spirit, if I can bring grief to the Holy Spirit, the adverse has to be true that I can also make the Holy Spirit rejoice. If I can grieve him by the things that I say, I can also make him rejoice by the things that I say. Isn't that a great thought? What if at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit were rejoicing over you because of the things that you said, celebrating over you? Isn't that a beautiful thought? that he can celebrate over us by the things that we speak if we just listen to the voice of his spirit. Say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but I don't see how it's possible. It's only possible with God's help. It's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. The prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 19, 14 should be our prayer today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's not just a wish. That's not just a dream. That's a prayer that God can answer in our life. I want you to bow your heads with me right where you're seated this morning. And I want you to reflect on your words this week. You see, right now, the Holy Spirit is so faithful because life-giving words can also be words of correction. And so maybe right now the Holy Spirit is speaking correctively to you. I want you to listen to his voice. Maybe you know even just in the last few days you've said some things that You wish you could go back and change. I want you to know that with God's help, you can. 
But maybe this morning you maybe just need to say, Lord, I want to make a fresh commitment to you today that with your help, I'm going to, I'm going to watch my words more carefully and I want my words to come from you. Words to come from you. I want you to pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful today. We're thankful for the faithfulness of your spirit. My prayer all week has been that at this moment in the service that we would not grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. And the way that we don't do that is by saying yes to you. To making the choice to live obediently to the call upon our lives. And Lord, the reality is this. If we were to replay all the words of, that come out of our mouth this week, I'm sure that probably all of us today we would be ashamed of something we've said this week. Lord, we realize today that this, this, this command, this, this idea that Paul shares, if we try to do it on our own willpower and strength, we'll surely fail. But Lord, today we need the help of your Holy Spirit. And so we open our hearts to you right now, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would fill us afresh. Lord, I pray today that the very depths of our heart would be impacted by that infilling and that you'd search us. And Lord, whatever is in our heart today that isn't like you, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would remove it, that you'd forgive us, that you'd remove that, and that you'd pour your Holy Spirit into us in such a way that we would be able to speak differently and live differently, and that we would be a, a very aware of those moments, Lord, when we're tempted to say things we shouldn't say, and that in that moment, your Spirit would guard our mouth and our mind and that you'd help us to only speak words that bring life and help and healing and correction and, and, and love to others around us. And you can do that. So we pray for that today. We're thankful this morning that nothing is impossible with you. And we pray that you would do this work in our lives today as only you can. Draw us close, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Say, say with me, there's nothing impossible with God. Would you say that with me? There's nothing impossible with God, and he can help and provide. Pastor Travis. Please stand with me. As we go, I'm going to share this verse. Pastor Brian just shared with us a Psalm 1914. And may the Lord make it be true in each of our lives this week. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're dismissed.